0: Hello and welcome to the media and marketing podcast. My name is John Reynolds, the host of the podcast, which features interviews with luminaries from the media and marketing industry. And today I've got another top notch guest. I'm delighted to be joined by Simon Davis, the chief executive of the publicist owned media agency. Blue 449. Thanks for joining me today, uh, Simon. For the listeners, can you just tell them where we're carrying out this podcast and also a potted history of Blue 449 and also a potted history of your own career to date?
1: Yes, here we are in the global headquarters of Blue 449 in London. Uh, um, Actually the same offices that we've been in. Um, also in previous incarnation as Walker Media for the last 18 years or so and we're across a couple of floors. We've got 225 people here. Um, So we're Blue 449. Um, We are now a publicist media-owned agency, have been um, for coming up to four years now. Um, Prior to that, as I mentioned, we were Walker Media, which um, I think is still the most successful independent agency Mm -hmm. um, that that has launched. Um, What else can I tell you?
0: I uh, know that's fine. That, that's a, that's a, that's a good history. Okay, so there's loads to, loads to get through today. First of all, I think it would be remiss not to talk about the sexual harassment scandal, which obviously began life in the US with multiple allegations against Harvey Weinstein, and is currently engulfed in Westminster with various allegations and counter for the resignation of Defence Secretary Michael Fallon. Now, in your world, the advertising world, Chief Exec of IPG, one of the big holding groups, Michael Roth recently put out a memo to the company's 50,000 staff around the world with a subject line, a workplace free from harassment, encouraging employees basically to speak with managers if they experience harassment in the workplace. And Havas, another one of the big groups, um, has announced it's creating a global online training for all employees around harassment. So there's a few issues. uh, As far as I'm aware, publicists your owner, has not made a public stand on this issue, and so it'd be good to know, do you think publish, publicists should have made a stand? Also, do you think sexual harassment, or any harassment, occurs in the advertising industry, and have you had a, any experience of it, or heard second-hand about it?
1: Um, I mean, w- whether or not publicists um, make an announcement, maybe they won't, m- maybe they will but my, my, my personal view is, is that this is something that should be managed bottom-up, and communicated bottom-up, rather than top-down, it seems to me to be a Corporate tick boxing when when, mm. when, it, when it's kind of big statements from on high. I think what's really important is is first of all having clear structures and processes in place here in the agency so that people know who to talk to and ha- and how to address it um, if anything if anything does happen. I'd like to think that we're working in an environment here where where that isn't a risk. Mm. Um, but but I mean what's absolutely clear is is that there are a lot of people going through an education process. And I think what we're seeing here is. Is the coming together of of different attitudes over different ages, um, um which 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 people are realising are, are no longer appropriate. Um, mm. I was very interested to read Giles Corrin in the Times, who's, who's suddenly been hit with the with the as obviously a white mm. middle aged man like me hit with the revelation that that signing off his emails to you know new female staff at the agent at, um, at at the Times with a couple of kisses yeah. probably isn't appropriate anymore. And you know these are, these are. These are things that that I think we're all learning. Um, So, you know, if if there is any kind of top-down statement to be made, you know, or or, or position to be taken, I think it is one around around education, where where I think a lot of these problems are 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 coming.
0: Have you? That's a good answer, but you sort of evaded the fact. Have you had any experience? or Have you heard about it in the industry at all over the years? I mean, I've
1: certainly I've had um, experience um, uh, in working. Um, positions before where there has been sexual harassment and, and processes have had to be followed. Right. Um, you know, I, I think the processes are much tighter now than they they certainly used to be, um, and I think they probably need to be because I think I think attitudes have changed. I mean, I mean, what's what's very clear is that you know the younger people in the agencies here here have a completely different um, level of of tolerance of it than, than than people who've been who've been around for twenty years, and and of course it's the young people that are right in that instance. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, education is the key.
0: Oh, was that just a one-off? You, you mentioned experience, or has it been more, more than one occasion, can I ask? I, okay. You know,
1: there'll oh, yeah. okay. be, be more than one occasion, yeah. and there'll be there'll be lots of stories. Yeah. But, but, but I yeah. think that, and, yeah. you know, as, as, as you all know, as well as I, John, yeah. you know, what would be considered sexual harassment now may not have been labelled that at the time.
0: Okay. Uh, obviously, there have been high-profile examples. I mean, yeah. I think it was last year, was it the, the then-global CEO of JWT, Gustavo Martinez, stood down. After a colleague filed a suit accusing him of an unending stream of racist, racist and sexist comments, but let's hope yeah. there's there's no more of that. Okay. So yeah. Just...
1: Well, I mean, look, I mean, there are several issues I think that get that get clashed together in that. Then, then, then there's the the question of um, of diversity, which I think is a is a is another question altogether. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and for me, you know, there's obviously a a lot of work to be done still in in encouraging. That from a from an ethnic agenda and, gender and uh, LGBT perspective, but I think also you know, the other thing I'm really keen to talk about is is economic diversity, yeah. um, because you know what I'm increasingly seeing is, you know, uh, as as for an industry that's fueled by, by graduates, you know, yeah. it's increasingly and and you know graduates who you know, are paid somewhere in the region of twenty grand in a, in a world where where you know Lidl will pay forty five grand for a for a graduate store manager you know, we're going to increasingly struggle to get the quality yeah. of, okay. of, uh, of, of, of um, intake yeah. that we want, yeah. it, particularly if, particularly when it comes to the diversity of, of, of economic okay. background to, okay. to attract people who, who aren't necessarily going to be um, have their debts written off by their parents or have help from their yeah. parents okay. for accommodation. Okay. So I'm keen to yeah. focus on that. Yeah, OK.
0: Well, we'll come on to that too. Just yeah. just w- one last point on this. Um, moving on from Harvey Weinstein, I'm sure yeah. we've heard enough of him. Um, I mean, one argument for that, it's, it's more, more about him really exercising his power over women. Yeah. And there's an absence of powerful women in Hollywood, and this is a bit of a clunky segue now, but you could argue there's a lack of women at the top of advertising. If you yeah. look at the, the big six holding companies, we've all got male chief execs. I think there's loads of stats. I think another stat I read was just over 10% of creative directors within, within ad agencies are, are female. Yeah. Now, the top team at Blue449 is all male. Um, do you think it would benefit from the inclusion of a, a, a woman of a, a woman at the top?
1: It, it's, it's not it's not all male the top team in terms of what you define as the, the top okay. team. But, but what I would define as the top team is is the managing partner level, yeah. um, and okay. we're forty five percent female at that at that level. Uh, we're sixty five percent women across the agency. You know, and this is an agency that was founded by Christine Walker. So, so, yeah, okay. so you know, I, I think. Um, you know, I think gender diversity can can always be improved, but but um, I don't think we're too bad in this agency. Okay. Do you think
0: it is, do you think we'll see in in the near future a, a female chief exec of one of the big
1: six holding companies? Well, or? Sure. well I mean Sue Frogley is now the UK chief executive okay. of, of Publicis Media, so, so I think that okay. is moving.
0: Okay. So let's rewind. then. so you you were acquired by Publicis in 2013. Yeah. Walker media became blue 449 in 215 yeah so what's the biggest big, biggest advantage of being part, part part of a group like Publicis, and what's the biggest disadvantage would you say yeah
1: well I mean I think um, all the reasons that, that we that we um, encouraged the sale back, back, back uh, to Publicis back in the day have kind of come to come to pass which is good we, we back in 2013 you know that was at a time when Walker media's model was was has always been to manage relatively high spending clients um, and you know, increasingly the, the big pitches that were coming along were, were international pitches, and we were having to stand on the sidelines. And we wanted to to address that. Um, you know, M and which owned us at that point, um, uh, didn't really have the have the uh, have the, the appetite, okay. the level of investment that would be required in order to roll us out globally. So, so we looked for a partner who would respect what Walker Media was, mm. keep, that, keep that intact, mm. um, but but allow us to export that globally and and um, and publicists. Was up for that, so so, and you know, fast forward now to where we are. We're in twenty-two markets, and I, I guess that's happened as we as we planned it to. Um, the rebrand to Blue four four nine, you know, I, th- I think I mean first first of all, from a from a from a prosaic perspective, the Walker Media brand although it had tremendous equity in the UK didn't mean anything overseas. Um, yeah. So so you know, if, if ever we were going to change the name, then was the time to do it. I think to be honest, you know, Walker Media ha- has had great equity um, in things like quite worthy uh, areas like craft um, and um, and just media knowledge and, and yeah. media service and that's all good and not something I'd, I'd ever want to jettison um, but it was perhaps just slightly eclipsing uh, where the agency had developed to, we, we, which had been, you know, really quite smart in terms of digital innovation and, and digital mm. thinking, and, and, and perhaps people were kind of thinking about Walker Media before they thought about the, the new elements of the agency, and so that's why we made okay. the decision to, to rebrand. Okay, um,
0: what's the downside then? The biggest downside?
1: Uh, look, I mean, inevitably you, you, you lose you lose an mm-hmm. element of, of independence and agility, but but I mean, we fight very hard to maintain that, and I, I think as far as network agency relationships go, you know, we, we've we've managed to maintain, you know, a very High level of, of our of our sense of identity and a high level of our entrepreneurial spirit and independence that we continue to operate under. Okay, so and you have to
0: just uh, excuse me if I've got this wrong, but you so you jointly, I mean, you jointly won the Asda business with a, with Sachi and Sachi. So presumably that's a that's a benefit, is it? Yeah, that, can...
1: that's for, for certain a benefit. Yeah, that's that was uh, you know one of the reasons that we that we wanted yeah, to okay. to partner. A big group and that was a big benefit.
0: Okay, so in terms of parent company senior management at Publicis, have you met the, the Publicis new CEO Arthur Saidan?
1: I, uh, haven't, I haven't met Artur, no. I haven't. Artur. I mean, he's he's pretty visible in the, in the business, and I'm sure I'll meet him at some point. But and he's, he's been around in London, but I haven't personally met him.
0: Okay. So if you look at publicists and the other big advertising groups, Omnicom, WPP, IPG Media, Dentsu Aegis, and Habas, yeah. if you look at the recent financial figures, there's a broad trend of slowdown with growth, which is partly down to clients' reducing spend, yeah. partly down to sluggish economic growth, partly down to broader challenges, like the challenge from tech groups, which has upended the way advertising is bought and sold. Now, that's maybe quite a damning portrayal, but do, do you think... Overall, the big holding groups need to have a rethink to reassess uh, ways to, you know, ways for future growth.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think so. I, I think um, you know, clearly the industry is has, has shifted. Clearly, the clearly the model has shifted. I mean, I mean, clients, big clients, increasingly want to go in through the front door of a holding company and, and then um, get access to the full breadth of capabilities that holding companies can offer. And I think I think that's taken that's taken some adjustment. Now, I think there's probably increasingly a, a recognition about from holding companies that that you know the zero sum sum game of mm-hmm. of, of relentless new business pitching, where mm-hmm. you know the, the the best people in an organisation are, are dedicated to. Trying to attract new business rather than looking after their uh, their existing business probably isn't a sustainable model. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I certainly sense a, a, a change where there's a recognition that probably growth will come from organic, from more organic sources, and will come from doing brilliant work with clients and selling them more data and tech services, which which is what they all what all the whole companies have spent all their money investing in the centre. So I think I think that is shifting. Um, so
0: yeah. you've done a less pitching this year so far than you have previous years.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, hasn't hasn't felt like that. But in terms of okay. terms of sheer number of pitches, yes, we have.
0: Okay. Yeah. So there was an analyst note out recently by Jerome Bowden, well-known analyst, who uh, posited the idea one of the, one of the big consultant consultancy consultancy companies such as Accenture or McKinsey yep. could buy one of the big ad groups. Um, I mean, is is that possible? And also, can you just talk a bit? I mean, these I know these big consultancies are increasingly getting involved in creative pitches. Are they involved in your world too? Are they a big concern going forward? And could they perhaps buy a publicist one day?
1: I I mean, for me, I I, I think that sounds that sounds unlikely. It doesn't sound like their their model. Um, I could certainly see a a big consultant and essentially buying a a trade desk um, uh, so that they could offer distribution at the end of the at the the end of their um, uh, of their offering. Um, But you know, it seems unlikely to me that they they buy that. I I mean. um, um, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a similar issue I think to to the, the sort of slight trend that formed to inboard um, media, maybe progressive mm-hmm. media amongst clients. The, the the problem is how they then go on to continue to attract the best people and how they, mm. how they can then make they can retain the best people. And I think that's hard harder for clients than it is for well-established media agencies. I think it's very hard for for media consultancies.
0: Okay, have you pitched against any like the likes of Accenture at all? No, it hasn't,
1: hasn't happened. I, I mean. Um, uh, their names come up in in one or two agencies, and of course, one or two two pitches. But but no, and of course, there's a conflict of interest there because they still run pitches,
0: they yeah, still run sure. Pitches,
1: and they still have a media auditing business. Yeah, okay. so You know, whilst that remains in case in place, that's a conflict.
0: Okay, so drilling down specifically to media agencies, obviously uh, well documented, under a lot of pressure at the moment. Uh, the word that frequently crops up is transparency. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned programmatic there. I guess for clients, it can be quite a confusing ecosystem because you've got yeah. lots of different entities at the one end, you've got the media agencies, then the media owners and publishers at the other end, then you've got the whole of these uh, intermediate bodies like the um, data suppliers, the trading desks, yeah. I think there's a, a well-documented thing about the World Federation of Advertisers, we said that for every pound, brand spend on programmatic publishers may only see 15p of it, so I mean, is this, a, this is a long-standing concern and the argument is that the agencies have been greedy. Are you having this conversation with clients at the moment? Are they still angry about this? Or?
1: Well, I think, I, mean, I think the conversation has has been had with clients on that. I mean, we're we're certainly 100 percent transparent in terms of where our costs lie, lie for for the tech and the and the and the people and the and the the, the infrastructure that goes into us when going to deliver it on the buy side. Uh, to be honest with you i think, i think clients are, are less informed on, on where the money goes on the on the sales side currently um, okay i'm i'm constantly surprised to to hear how little clients understand goes to google oh, <laughs> because, really? because okay. you know google wins at wins at at, at, at every level on the um, on the sales side um and and look i mean in the end i think the conversation will will, will never soon move on from from it being about about the the layers of cost to the outcomes that it can deliver um and i think increasingly that's, that's the nature of the conversation that we're now having, which, which is how we can be um, organizing ourselves and possibly even remunerated on an outcome-based um, okay. uh, discussion. And then, and then, of course, the issues of, of transparency kind of go out the window because you're all working to a common purpose. Okay, and,
0: and just in terms of, I mean, I, I talked about programmatic digital media. There's obviously, in traditional media, there's a long-standing issue of kickbacks and uh, rebates. I think last year, the Association of National Advertisers found that rebates, including cash rebates and other non-transparent practices, are pervasive in the U.S. media buying ecosystem. But I guess you'll say they're no longer pervasive in the U.K.
1: I would say that, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I think the U.S. Is, 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 has been a long time in catching up. But I mean, those, those okay. conversations are well mature and moved on in the U.K.
0: Okay, so uh, another big trend... We've had a glut recently of of high-profile executives leaving the industry, Tracy DeGroose, Paul Frampton, uh, to name but two. Uh, I I read um, a piece in Campaign today where one unnamed agency leader said, uh, leading a media agency has always been a very pressurized job, but in the last couple of years it's become untenable. There are ridiculous targets from global teams who have no understanding of a local market and put numbers on a spreadsheet. Does that charm with you?
1: <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm aware of the of the arguments. The I'm aware it's not it's not for everyone. I mean, the, the, the pressures have increased. There is a tension between you know the demand for holding company growth relative relative to to the the increasing demand for you know lower fees and higher service and everything else that, that quite rightly comes comes from clients. But you know, I, I genuinely still find my job fun and exciting. You know, I think we're genuinely on the cusp of. Being able to deliver all the things that have been discussed over the last few years with, mm. which which I think clients have bought theoretically and then be disappointed when it hasn't been able to be delivered mm. can are now just on the cusp of, of being able to be delivered so I've talked about um. outcome based based marketing and I think that's going to be absolutely um, key in the, in the next few years you know we're, we're going to move into a world where we can measure media effects not using the old the old models econometrics and and, okay. and, and, the, and the other tools but using actual device IDs that can tell me that can track a customer that's seen an ad online and and then tell me where they've gone into the shop, you know, these are the things that are going to restore trust because first of all, they require really deep partnership with with clients because they require their data Um, and secondly, it means that we're all going to be pointed in the same direction and we're all going to agree on on what the targets that that we're trying to hit will be. That will change the nature of the relationship and I think it will make the job of the agency leader leader easier um, because you won't have that kind of angst from clients anymore. Are
0: you surprised at the the number of people, high-profile people, have left recently down? Is that just a… Uh,
1: no, not particularly. No. I mean, I, mean I, you know, I, I think it's, I think to a certain extent at Blue449, we're, we're insulated from, from the worst vagaries of, of global network um, uh, pressures because, I mean, most of the clients that we, that we, um, that we look after here are, are domestic clients, you know, okay. and, I think, and I think the highest pressure point um, is for is for people leading agencies where where they have a high proportion of international clients where you know mm. they're, they're accountable for the for the for the for the revenue that's been generated locally, but they have very little influence in in the, in the conversation with the clients, and I think that is problematic.
0: Okay, so and before you touched about the um, clients bringing uh, planning and buying in-house and effectively bypassing the media agency, so I mean today you've got a raft of brands born with the internet which don't. I guess, have long-standing relationships, don't don't have long-standing history of of big TV and magazine campaigns. So these companies can basically have a direct relationship with customers. Brands like Just Eat and uh, Netflix, I think, uh, are two examples which do all uh, digital in-house. But you were saying before that you don't think this is such a big problem then, or you know, for media agencies going forward.
1: Well, I think our, the increasing ability that we have through smart data to be able to join all of that up yeah. brings the media agency proposition back in, back into play. So, so you know, it's just a question of slightly flipping the model. What's certainly true is that is that we have marketers now who who come in here. Um, and they're not thinking in terms of a TV plan. And then, if we're, if we're lucky, at some point we might figure out what that does to the search. Mm. They start with the search because that's where their business is being generated. That's their main distribution route. And then they'll layer on above the line media according to the effect that that will drive on their on their distribution route, which is the search. For some of them, it's not search. For some of them, it's it's being able to identify um, an in store effect because they're tracking it on a on a mobile. So I think that, you know, for us and certainly at this agency, what we're working really hard to do is to recognise that. And turn the model on its head and start with the performance end of end of things, right. and say, right, you know, we're, we're not going to treat TV as a, as a separate entity anymore. We're going to we're going to understand that it starts with the with the digital outcome that they're trying to generate, and then we're going to be laying on our media channels on top to drive that. Okay, I think I've got that.
0: Okay, so you touched on uh, Google before. Uh, obviously, Google and Facebook have parked their tanks firmly on your lawn. I think Google and Facebook together account for ninety nine percent of revenue growth on digital advertising in the U.S. last year. And 90% of new revenues going to Google and Facebook is mm-hmm. another stat banded about. So, uh, do Facebook and Google have too much market share? Should they be more tightly regulated? Obviously, there's a long standing issue about. It should be viewed as a media company. Yeah. Um, what's your take on all that? Then there's a few yeah. uh,
1: questions rolled into one. Then do they have too much too much market share? Probably, um, but you know, market forces will will decide that. Um, should they be more heavily regulated? Definitely. I mean, that the, the, the self regulation at the moment is is clearly not working. You know, I mean, you know, we all had issues earlier this year around, mm. around brand say safe, brown safety, and of course they they were as much responsibility of the of the media owners if not more than than they were the advertisers and, and the media agencies and I think we took the brunt of that yeah um, you know' we're, we're in a new world here aren't we where where Facebook and Google are, are making up their own rules as they go along and you know personally I feel increasingly uncomfortable with that and i'm I'm not sure I trust them to get to the right conclusions
0: so what would you like to see I mean I think the culture secretary talked about possibly being treated as a publisher and yeah. maybe paying for like examples of cyber bully, bully bullying abuse and un, you know underage access to porn to actually be yeah, yeah. actually pay a fan. I mean, I think
1: I think that the, the continued position of them just being a tech platform is is completely unsustainable. You, you know, they are effectively operating as, as publishers, and, I, and I, I think to some degree they should be regulated as publishers. Okay.
0: Um, I mean, I, I guess another problem for you with uh, Google and Facebook is you you talked about this at the beginning about uh, attracting graduates. If you're a smart graduate now, Google and Facebook would appear quite a sexy company to to join. Uh, I mean, how do you compete against uh, quite sexy and presumably high salaries? So how do you compete against... The likes of that, for talent.
1: Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess we do compete with them. We also compete with Google, having to having to realizing very quickly they have big talent gaps at more senior levels and buying in there as well. So, yeah. so, so actually, you know, the 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 drain from a graduate perspective is slightly invisible to me. But what I can see very clearly is them is them buying in a uh, um, talent because they know they have that they have their big gaps. You know, yes, Google and Facebook are, are a problem, but so is. The rest of the world right now. I mean, as I, as I started on right at the beginning, yeah. you know, we're, we're at risk as an industry of becoming a, a passion industry like fashion, where you have to be rich or, or know someone to get into it. You know, it, it's a different world now where graduates are leaving university with forty-five grand of debt. Mm. They have to they have to think about their 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 initial level of income much harder than I had to when I joined Haymarket on nine grand. And so so you know that's that that's a different world. And I, and I you know unless we want Unless we, we we want you know an increasingly undiverse um, uh, set of people coming in from an economic perspective, then we have to deal with that. And you know what does that mean? That means subsidised canteens, subsidised travel, potentially maybe even subsidised accommodation, maybe even bursaries that we should be offering now to make sure that we get a, a range of different people. Are you, are you offering things like that at the moment? Then? Some of those, some of those. The rest were in discussion. But right. I mean,
0: That's I mean, quite I'm, a pioneer. Do other agencies do that then, or not? I don't,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they do. They, they do to okay. that extreme. I mean, we also we we've started taking apprentices just recognizing the fact that they're super smart people who Mm. are just making the economic decision to to get into the workforce rather than go to university you know and and you know I can tell you that the the five or so apprentices we took last year I would say within a year are as good as the 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 graduates that we've taken in with three or four years at university I mean it's it's really impressive to see
0: that is presumably haven't told the graduates out but anyway I just did all right. Okay. Um, okay. That's the a few softball questions before we finish. Okay. So I was when I read the Sunday papers, when there's a the profile in the business section, you always have that little chart. When you ask the the, chief, the successful chief exec what time he gets up in the morning and how long his day is, so what time do you get up in the morning and how long is your? Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: well, recently I, because I've been doing this charity boxing. Oh, um, yes. match, like, Oscar Yeah, uh, um, uh, 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 I've been getting up stupidly early, so, that, so like four um, fifteen. Um, but more normally, yeah. it's around about six o'clock.
0: So were you fighting then? I just saw some photos. Yeah,
1: I fought fought and lost last last Wednesday. It was a close fight. Against um, who was that? A guy called Tom Curry from Oath. So <laughs> I gave away ten kilograms to him. So, so it. So in the end, I, f- I felt like I. Basically, I gave an all right account of myself, considering I could have very easily ended up on my ass. You've got no. Just for the listeners, you've got no bruises or anything on no, your Only emotional. Only
0: emotional. And yeah. you, the new Marks and Spencer's ad. Have you? Did you see that today? Had I have. Yeah. What's your? Are you a fan of that? What do you think? It's a, mm, it's, a nice sucker, it? it's a nice advert for the film. Sometimes <laughs> a have nice that for the film. Okay. Um okay, I think that's uh it. Right. Thank you very much, Sam, and that's great. Thank, thank you, great. you very much. Thank Take you care. Yourself. Cheers. Bye bye.